0: Well, welcome back to the Dungeon Masters Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. The only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, DM Mitch.
1: And I'm DM Neil, aka Joke Maniac.
0: And Neil, it is it's that time of year. The snow is potentially falling outside of our listeners windows depending on where they are I'm sure that I even saw snow you even saw snow this year yes yes uh, that is delightful and scary um, <laughs> but it's it terrifying it is Christmas time it is our very merry DMB Christmas episode so as is tradition because we believe in tradition here, at the Dungeon Message Blog, we're going to do our 12 questions of Christmas.
1: Not to be confused with us not wanting to come up with new ideas, but we do love <laughs> hey, whoa, tradition. Whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa. We've changed some
0: of the questions, okay? so some of them are different, mostly because some of them get very hard to come up with new material for every single year. So really excited to jump into that. But before we jump into that, listeners, we have a special uh, gift for you. So... Wherever you are, whatever you're doing right now, I want you to just close your eyes. Are you doing it? Are you closing your eyes? Good, glad you're closing your eyes. All right, now reach out and feel the very large present that we have placed in front of you. We sent you this present. We're gifting you something completely wonderful on this Christmas. Okay, you can start unwrapping your present. Hear those wrapping, that wrapping paper just, just opening up. Okay, lift the top of that present. Slowly peer inside, and inside is oh, oh, oh! It's DM Chris, oh! aka DM Chris. <laughs> yes, Merry Christmas. He's back. I'm back, and not just for this episode. Yes, DM Chris, we've talked him into it. Uh, we've held a gun to his head. We're holding a gun to his head, literally right now, literally. as you can see, as he's oh inside this this present that looks more like a cage. Uh, no, Chris is back. We're super. I know me and Neil super excited, and I know listeners hopefully out there right now are super excited to have you back as well, Chris. I'm stoked.
1: It's going to be awesome. Yep. We we kept eluding to it, and we <laughs> over months <laughs> we in fact accomplished our task, and again we have that gift for you. I'm glad that I was a task. Yeah, there was. Good to know. Yeah, there was on the list.
0: There were people a couple times that somebody on Twitter said something like, oh man, I really miss DM Chris. uh, And Neil and me were just kind of like doing the ha ha ha. We we know more than you do. (laughs) Yeah,
1: right, right. Perfect. But we would be remiss if we did not ask Chris, which rhymed and I don't like it, but a surprise question (laughs) that I came up with right now Chris, what is the worst Christmas present you've ever received? Oh, that's so good. Oh, gosh. The worst Christmas present?
0: I hope it's for me. Like, you're calling me out right on
1: here.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Worst Christmas present was never getting anything from Mitch. Man, worst Christmas present. That's like I got to think back through almost 30 years of history to figure Mm -hmm. out. (laughs) A complete disappointment. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, I've got one. So when we were kids, I loved video games, still love video games to this day, but I've never been a fan of like outdoor video games, like fishing and hunting animals and stuff like that. And so I remember getting, I think it was called like trophy bass or something like that back in the day. And I remember getting that as a kid and I was like, I probably would have wanted like Madden or something instead. Why did I get because that's not an outdoor uh <laughs> no, well i mean different I, I loved sports growing up not so much like virtual fishing so that was probably like one of my least favorite gifts awesome. of all time
1: all right cool buy... just trying to think
2: of something other than like clothes when i was a kid yep there was so i did play it there was always like the like 70 pound catfish that i could never figure out how to catch it was like you remember the show hey arnold back in the day oh, yeah, yeah. It was like the fish that was in the the lake mm-hmm. that Grandpa told the mm-hmm. whole like legend about with the hook and stuff that nobody believed existed. I don't think anybody that played that game ever caught that dumb fish. Yep.
1: Like, I tried everything. I hope it was an urban legend. <laughs> I'm a firm believer <laughs> right.
0: that fishing games should be mini games like in Legend of Zelda. Totally.
2: Totally. Best best mini game yes. in a game ever. Done.
1: Okay. I There's no transitioning out of this except <laughs> to start asking some questions. You know what? I think, Chris, we'll start with you. Question number one. What was your favorite episode from the DMB in 2019?
2: So, my favorite episode, I think it was one of the ones that was early on in the year. I don't remember the episode number, but it was the one where y'all had Rich Baker or Richard Baker on uh, to talk about Warlocks. Yes. That was one of my favorite episodes. Uh, and I, in fact, was looking back through the backlog and was like, I'm going to listen to this again. Because uh, it was just... I felt like I went to school real quickly in that episode about game design and about warlocks. And I've always had this infatuation with warlocks and I've never been able to play one as a player. So like I try to bring them in every once in a while being a DM and that was just such a refreshing episode to hear some ideas and like the history just behind warlocks and the fact that they're more than just pistol wielding Eldritch Blast shooting characters is just awesome to me. They're so much fun. Episode 172,
1: The Warlock Within, from January 20th.
2: There we go. Very early on in the year.
1: Yeah,
0: well done. Like, when you get a guest on an episode, we always try to, like, pull in somebody that it's like... We want them to talk about what they're passionate about. And you know you've got a good episode set up when you're like, here here's Rich Baker. He created the Warlock class. I think he's going to have a lot of good stuff to teach on the Warlock. And yeah, that, that episode was really fantastic because of that. For me, personally... Uh, My favorite episode, I was kind of going back and forth between two of them, but I chose uh, The Art of the Pact with Adam Lee, a pretty recent uh, episode, but having Adam Lee from Wizards of the Coast on as they just uh, released their Descendant to Avernus book, and then we talked about making packs with devils, something that I always found really interesting because You got the chaos of the demons, but then you got the lawful evil of the devils. And it's just a, it's very easy for us as DMs to go, here's a monster. It wants to kill you. Roll for initiative. Time to battle. That's super, super easy, but it's a little bit more complicated and complicated in a good way that you can really create some fantastic role playing opportunities when you have a monster that would rather make a pact with you to. Maybe eventually kill you, but rather ruin your life or just constantly gain something uh, out of that pact. Uh, we came up with some fa- fantastic ideas with Adam in that episode. Uh, and I think my favorite episodes are always
1: the ones that give me a lot of inspiration as a DM. Episode 189, Art of the Pact. September 15th. And apparently September is the month that we will focus on because <laughs> episode 190, uh, Demigods with Vartian, And I think it was... Just great to have Aram back. Um, there's a lot of behind the scenes that is great about having Aram because he is podcasting knowledge in a way is, I, I would say, exceeds our own. So when we get content from him, it's it's perfect and it's beautiful <laughs> and editing is a dream. And also having him back because we both – there's something about having started podcasting around the exact same time as he yeah. did and seeing where – he is with God's fall where we are with DMB and the block party it's just i feel like we we have to have him on more often um yeah so i think just the warm fuzzies i guess from 119 and talking about demigods which You know, that's kind of his deal. It's kind of his shtick. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. a little bit. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, I guess I'm glad that uh, out of the two that I was fighting for, I didn't pick that one since that was yours, Neil. (laughs) That's
1: the two I was fighting for. Did you see me do this? this? I crossed my fingers as soon as you started talking. (laughs) Perfect. So good. All right. We'll keep the order because if I change it up, I will get very confused. So question number two, what is your favorite off-air moment in 2019? Chris? Yeah, I didn't have many.
2: Uh, <laughs> be honest, makes sense. <laughs> I think my my favorite moment was getting together at Wild Rose Coffee in Granville, Michigan, and talking to Mitch and saying like, "Yeah, this is this is a good time. I'm excited to I'm excited to come back now after we've moved to the Chicagoland area and things have calmed down and I've finished my grad school stuff and have a little bit more time. That was probably my favorite moment because it's it's been too long to yeah. get back behind the microphone and, and just be hanging out with you guys in the community in some really cool ways. So that's mine. I'll just piggyback
0: right off of that because uh, I won't change it. That was pretty much mine as well, but more of the process of it. Having Chris come back on for our Raw Real Monsters Storm yeah. Giant episode was fantastic. But to like off air s- talk to him and just like really, I think Neil and me got the sense like, yeah, I think he misses this. I think he really enjoys enjoyed doing this. Totally makes sense that he had to step back because of life, but I think he misses this and the process of. Like me and Neil being like, oh, can we can we do it? Can we get him can back we pull on? This off? No. <laughs> our listeners, a lot of listeners, were really sad when you had to leave. Like totally yeah. loving and understanding, uh, but they were sad. They really enjoyed uh, your personality and what you brought to the table um, in our discussions. So working through this year, ever since that one episode of having you like come back and and guest with us. To uh, talking with Neil about it, planning it out, and then talking with you, Chris, about it on a couple occasions, and finally getting yeah, that yes yeah. to today, where we actually have you on, and we're introducing you back. Best off air well, moments. I'm,
2: I'm glad. I'm
1: glad I could help you guys with your 2019 goal at That's the very right. last minute. <laughs> yes. Well, <I'm>, yeah. <laughs> in, in all honesty, I feel like Mitch and I had like a plan B. That was just like, well, if he doesn't say yes, then we're yeah. just going to keep asking him to come on <laughs> as a guest as regularly as we can. I, I I'm Different just being, in name
2: only. Sneaky sons of guns. Yep.
1: I'm just being honest. Um, okay. Well, mine is a bit much. Uh, Mitch, you know what I'm going to talk about. Go for it. So we got an email from uh, the PR company that worked with Dungeons and Dragons, and they said, hey, Neil. We know you live close to L.A. We have an event. Would you like to attend? And I said yes. Um, not entirely knowing and what I that. And I said no. End of story. Uh, <laughs> yes. That was it. That it was, was great. my favorite oh, moment. I, I love know. saying no to people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I said yes. And I drove down. And it was an event specifically for Rick and Morty versus D&D. And. Mm. I don't really know what I'm going to get into, so I drive down. There's this large like, local brewery, and they check me in at the door, and literally the PR person's like, Okay, I'll, I'll write you in, and I'll have the other person take you back to our private room. So there's literally a private bar in the back that has two tables set up. So this entire event is literally like 10 people get invited.
0: Which I think both of us, from reading the email... We're kind of expecting a small convention kind of setup, right?
1: Yeah, I was expecting a lot more people, more <laughs> of, more of a presentation style event. Uh, like you would you would kind of talk to people. There would be a pause. There would be some level of discussion showing the new item, and then that that sure that yeah. would be it. Uh, also, being us like, representing us there, and then it's also like, oh, yeah, what are you from? And it's like IGN and Geek and Sundry. And I'm just like, okay, <laughs> here we go. This you know, is- this,
2: like, kind of small mom and pop podcast. Yeah, so
0: we get there, and, and who's the mom and who's the pop?
1: <laughs> well, Ooh. so speaking of, well, we'll move on. And <laughs> the two that were there were Dan Telfer, who is a longtime comedian. He's also the Dungeon Master for Nerd Poker. The other person oh, sure. that is there is Kate Welch, who is the lead designer on the product itself. Shelly Mazzanoble, who does the um, Dragon Talk and all of that stuff were all there. And it was literally a private run game by Dan and Kate at the two tables. And so I literally just sat down, picked up the fifth character that they created named Meatface and <laughs> quite literally lost my butt in the module Uh, Dan Telfer's Rick voice was amazing also when we found the Meeseeks box his Meeseeks voice was amazing and at one point I literally read a sign and he says that your pants feel like they go slack (laughs) and I had literally lost my butt and I was so frustrated that I ripped the sign down and proceeded to carry it around with me through the rest of the dungeon trying to do persuasion checks to force other people to read the sign so that (laughs) they too would lose their butts so cool. I I'm slightly jealous I don't live in Los Angeles area. Yeah,
0: right yeah, me too reading yeah. that email. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh so I will go to I will say yes to every email that they ever send henceforth. Virtual wink wink. Yeah. Okay. Question number 3. What was your favorite moment out of your D&D adventures in 2019? Chris. So my
2: favorite moment out of D&D adventures in 2019 had to be I ran three games for a group of people here in uh, the town that I live in outside of Chicago and they had never played D and D before, but had always been really interested in it. And so it was just in a way that I probably haven't experienced in my entire time. DMing. It was really refreshing. I think in some ways to have everything be new, everything be fascinating and frightening all at the same time and just lead them on this adventure where they didn't really know mechanics and that was okay. And they were just like doing all sorts of crazy things and like asking questions. And I just got to say yes to like everything that they wanted to do. One, because I was looking for a group of people to do like real life role playing with. Uh, and also like just to see the excitement on their face when they could do stuff that like they've only ever seen done in movies or read in books. That they could do it with their mind and some dice. Like, that was awesome for me to be able to get to experience that. And we still play, uh, we're trying to play more regularly starting in the new year, but it was so cool just to be able to do that a few times this past year.
1: I just wanted it to be like, I want to catch a 70 pound bass because I never could. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I broke, I broke out trophy bass. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> There's something about um, new players, man. I always oh, say yeah. it, but like, it is fantastic to have a home group that we've played together for, for years now, uh, but sitting down and introducing the game to new players, whether it's a whole group of new players or just a new player at your table, and yeah, seeing their eyes light up in excitement at things that your players are like oh just another one of those monsters uh or yeah just the excitement of like you said learning that they can do things that they've seen in movies or beyond movies that it's like yeah you thought that movie sucked because this character didn't do it then do it because it's your world totally. yeah go for it your agency yeah. let's 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 see you do it yeah it was a blast for me uh my favorite moment uh See, this is this is where it becomes difficult because I have to always say like spoiler alert with our Patreon members and their story and our story times because we play, we're ahead in the adventure than what the story time is is has gone into so far uh, for our Patreon members. I'll keep it simple. For our Patreon dragons, uh, so that I don't really spoil anything. But uh, we get to a point in the game, and we got to a point at our table where things were looking super, super bleak uh, for the party of adventurers. There is loss, and in this moment of, it seems like, how can we even come back from this? Uh, the group of characters that I'm playing with uh, all have their different power sets and one of them is a prophet uh, and we get to see uh the prophet's like ultimate power uh in that moment and so uh not only was it like amazing for that player uh who is your brother uh Chris Casey brother yeah, Casey right. but also uh for the entire table to see uh in the moment, whoa, this is crazy. Um I, yeah, I hate to be super general in my description of it, but I don't want to give more away because I don't want to spoil it for our for our Patreon dragons. But uh, hopefully you'll enjoy that
1: episode when it comes out. Awesome. So mine. It is closing the Emerald Spire campaign and starting up the Sinister Secrets of Saltmarsh uh, because I bought it from Beetle and Grimm. And a quick story, I mean, kind of putting... Bits of information I've definitely given out in the podcast before, the two people that got me into Dungeons & Dragons 20 plus years ago are both at my table. And at this point, their sons are also at my table. Nice. But to th- to close the loop even further, the first module that I was ever ran through was... The Secrets of Saltmarsh, the original module in second edition. So they, they be, one of them basically had me create a full party and run through that module to get used to how the party interacts with each other, what I like and don't like about certain classes and races. And that was my first introduction. So now we're going to be replaying that together. Um, and we're going to start that up uh, either this month or next month.
0: Cool. That's fantastic. So. That's that's like, yeah, more than a module uh, for Oh, for yeah, you.
1: for sure. Yeah, sure. he, re, when we did our session zero last time, the guy brought out and gave me the original, his copy of Secrets of Saltmarsh that he fantastic. had ran me through like 20 years ago. That's so cool. So. Super close. I assume I have to never play Dungeons and Dragons. Like, it feels like the loop is closed. <laughs> is, We're done. <laughs> like, this is it. Yeah. Finish this is this it. Out. This, it's done. No, it can't no. get any better. <laughs> it's awesome. So, question number four, though. What was the cool? I mean, I feel like I might have taken that over by saying what I just did, but what was the coolest RPG item in or out of game you received during 2019? Who?
2: <laughs> All right. So, mine is a, uh, I don't know if a gift is the right word for my wife. So, <laughs> She's a she's a really big thrifter. Like she loves to find things, restore things, and uh she was going somewhere. I don't remember where she was going, and she came back like super quick. I was like, there's no way you could have gone there and come back already. What the heck? So she comes back and she's like, Hey, I need some help getting something out of the van. And I was like, Okay, what do you need help? You probably pick something up on the side of the road what do you need? Like something else to clog up our garage, right? Awesome. So she had stopped. Like she saw down one of the roads in our neighborhood, saw a table sitting on the side of the road, decided to go and look at it, pick it up. It was an eight-seat poker table that somebody was throwing away because one of the legs, like hinges, was bad. She, she, It's so heavy. I was so (laughs) impressed with her. It was so heavy. She got it into the back of the van somehow, got it home, and I was like, this is the coolest stinking thing my wife has ever gotten me, and it was for free sitting on the side of the road. That was my coolest because it's got like the cup holder, like I can put felt in the bottom for a dice tray. I got. I mean, it's it's got the nice like matte finish, like uh, in the middle. I was like, this is this is so cool. I'm so impressed right now. That was my that was my favorite RPG item out of 2019 by far. I have yet to play at it though because it's happened
1: recently.
0: Table love is very very real.
1: (laughs) Oh, dude, it's it's incredible. Yeah, Yeah. I I feel like my wife is the exact opposite. She'd be the one that threw that outside. (laughs) <laughs> oh, which is why yeah. I was so impressed that my wife actually brought it in for me. That's true love. <laughs> yeah, true love. Mitch, what do you got?
0: Uh for me, I uh bought the D&D official Falling Star sailing ship. Yeah. And oh, it cool. is phenomenal. Uh, it is it is huge, it is beautiful. It had you can take Apart different layers to play in, Uh, but beyond just the the ship itself being a fantastic addition to our our tabletop games here, um, was the moment that I, I run a game for a couple of students from my ministry, and they named a ship. They were gifted a ship, and they named the ship the Iron Maiden, of course and nice. <laughs> they had no idea until the next session when they came in, and I was like, all right, hold on. Uh, so we set sail on the Iron Maiden, and I went in the closet, and I bring out the Falling Star, and I place it down on the table, and their excitement of like, oh my gosh, we have a ship, Minnie. This is fantastic. It was just like such a cool moment when their eyes lit up at this excitement to having an actual representation of their new ship. First off,
1: I don't even know where you store that. Well, let's start there.
0: <laughs> In my yeah. closet, taking up space. This, it's yeah. pretty big, right? My closet is full of yeah. D&D stuff. My wife is fantastic. She has just learned that I am terrible at hoarding. Yeah, I have a problem at hoarding <laughs> geeky things. And uh, every now and then I'll, I'll get really excited. I'm like, hey, I threw out this piece of garbage that i've kept for years and she's like oh great what's what about the rest of the pieces of garbage i'm like nah i can't get rid of that yet
2: (laughs) i might need them for geeky stuff of course
1: well i'm trying to think i already obviously the original secrets of salt march is up there the other one that i have that i don't know how to start using is i definitely spent way too much money on a brand new mic but i have no way to transport it so i haven't started using it yet um (laughs) so for hopefully to look at yeah so hopefully for christmas um i can get a really nice case um because the ones we've used, I just toss in my bag and they're just like rough and tumble and that's totally fine, but I will not do that with this one. So hopefully I can tell you that I got a sweet new case for Christmas so that I can start using that mic. Okay. Number five. What 2019 movie is the greatest inspiration for a D&D campaign? So Disney Plus obviously came out
2: recently um, and I've been watching this documentary called The Imagineer Story. Have you guys seen this? At all, oh watched, no eh? I, I haven't and so not. it's the it's fascinating it's the story of like how the theme parks are made and the animatronics that like the the wed company wed company makes all of them and so i've i've always wanted to do a steampunk-esque campaign but have never done it and i feel like watching like if i were to go back and re-watch that and just see all of the like it's a small world and the Matterhorn, Mm. and like all of the crazy things that are in there. I could, I bet you could come up with some really intense steampunk ideas just based off of the crazy ideas that they had had. Like if I were to go back and rewatch that, I think that would be the mindset that I would have going into it. And I could come up with a plethora of campaign ideas just based off of like the different saloons that they have and the different characters that they have all over these places. And, like, just the idea of, like, having a steampunk world where, like, you might see wild creatures that are out in the marshes that are animatronic and steampunk, and you might not even know it. Like, just those sorts of little elements for me. So it's not necessarily a campaign, but just, like, a world of imagination that's just purely steampunk. Uh, I think that documentary series would just give me so much inspiration to that. I think do you that. could
0: pretty easily turn It's a Small World into a really creepy animatronic encounter.
1: Oh, totally. <laughs> yes. Totally, yeah, yeah, Disney has... To, I mean, the ride has to immerse you immediately and in the span of, what, two or three minutes? That's the entire length of the ride. So it's a yeah, right. great yeah. inspiration. Yeah. Mitch, what Marvel movie do you want to know? <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess it's not too far
0: off from that. So oh, okay. uh, <laughs> uh, the movie I chose... And this was a harder one. Sometimes I think it's... Sometimes it's a pretty easy question to answer, especially because... Every now and then, there's a fantasy movie, right? And that's like, oh, this is this is really easy to get Super to get uh, inspiration yeah. from. But the movie I chose from 2019 was The Joker, uh, which I know there was a lot of controversy around it and
2: <laughs> uncomfortably I, brilliant. I, yes,
0: I will say I loved the movie and uh, am totally down to have discussions about it with anybody who disagreed. But anyway, just the general concept of the movie. Would be a really interesting campaign to play with uh, your with your players, starting out as these characters with the intention of the characters becoming villains, but to play a campaign where or like a small adventure where you really get to see the humanity of these characters, uh, that moments that you can totally feel for these characters, and the the ultimate path that was taken or was even forced upon the characters that brought them to the point where they become villains. And then I think that'd be even better if then you take that and in the next campaign make those characters into the villains of that campaign. I think that'd be fantastic.
1: I will... Go with you and apparently Chris is the only one that's going to keep this family friendly uh, (laughs) because I've got two quick (laughs) ones. One is Rambo Last Blood because it is it is the most thinking about it right now is like the most adventure style movie I've seen in a long time. He basically, like, something happens. He has a quest. He goes. He meets villains. It gets worse. He sets up to, like, have them attack him, which you can see in the trailer. I'm not ruining it. It's, who cares? It's <laughs> Rambo. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, it, wait. There's the the violence in the time, basically. Basically, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... The other one I'll suggest really quickly uh, that is also very rated R would be uh, John Wick 3 Parallelum because oh, sure. one of the big things is just watching that and then being able to have more descriptive ways when combat happens like, because it's literally him fighting people for like yeah, the entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, So yeah, and Rambo's the same way. Question number six. What was the greatest lesson from RPGs that you learned over the past year? It's a good one. Um, I think so. In in moving
2: here, the role that I took on, I was I've been in school for nine years, like post high school education for nine years, and like was able during that time to still play role playing games and have a whole bunch of um, fun doing that. In this past like year and a half since moving and being done, like I haven't been able to do that as much. And so I think the lesson that I've learned from RPGs is just they are a good way to remind myself to have fun from time to time. Not that I don't enjoy doing what I love. Cause I absolutely do enjoy doing what I do for a living, but just to stop, take some time, not be thinking about the rest of the things that are going around and just to have fun, I think is the biggest and most valuable lesson that I've learned, uh, over this past year from RPGs. Hmm. What about for you, Mitch? Oh, so mine
0: is like, you're talking about fun. I'm going to talk about not fun. Uh, so, uh, like I said I started playing a uh, a game with um a bunch of students and we we'll, we play like once every month. So recently we played a a game uh, session and it was not fun. It was horrible. Like it there were just so many like personality clashes and uh, it Like, for a number of reasons, it was just not good, and one of the things that, I mean, I've, I've witnessed this before, but I I just was reminded of was, in order to have a good campaign experience, it sometimes is necessary to have a bad session, because if you take that bad session and just let it be a bad session and just let it sit, like, it can fester and just destroy a campaign. Right. But after we played through that not-so-good session, a bunch of the players stayed around and we talked and uh, I talked with them and we talked about, like, I asked them questions like, well, why do you think that was frustrating? Why do you think you didn't have fun today? What was it? And we really got to kind of analyze it. Um, And then the next session we played, we started off by having a sit-down discussion uh, as people, not as characters. Uh, and talk about how do we move forward from here and have a better experience. And a lot of it came down to something that I think a lot of players make the mistake in when when they're on the newer side. Uh, And even DMs, right? Is that it's like the selfish experience of like, I want what my character wants. And I think we get that from like video games because in video games, we get what our character wants.
2: You are the central character,
0: yeah. Yep. Rather than focusing on... Like a team effort and like giving up sometimes things that your character wants for that to be the better experience that you're doing it together as a team. Because if you have a whole – if you have six people playing characters that are just after what they want, you're going to have a frustrating time. So that turned into a good thing, having that bad thing. And I think sometimes you need that bad session.
1: You heard it here first. Everyone, go have a bad session. Do it. No, <laughs> <laughs> Force it to, to
0: happen to your players. Yep
1: so I think mine was that you really can, as long as you have people buying in to the idea of what you want to play, you can do anything that you want. Like, like you're saying, it can be as serious. It could be as insane. I'm saying that because that's what I ran at a catacomb. I ran an all monster party with pre and within the first 15 minutes, I threw the deck of many things. I threw what turned into the wallet of wonder because it's a convention center. So I want, I said wand of wonder and they're like, did you say wallet? And I'm like, yes, I did. (laughs) Yes. It's the wallet of wonder. So he literally literally to cast the spell, they were flipping the wallet open (laughs) to like show their (laughs) ID and then it would, then it would do a (sighs) random spell effect. And so that just going back to what you're saying, that just having that open discussion, You can really get people to buy into any wacky idea or serious idea that you want them to. Totally. Okay. Question number seven. What other great RPGs did you play in 2019? I didn't. Pass. Mitch, go.
0: Yeah, I didn't go to a catacomb this year, unfortunately, so I didn't either. So, Neil, real quick, give us three good RPGs you played.
1: (laughs) So, I played... And this is the this is literally what I do at a Catacon. I absolutely refuse to sign up for D D unless I'm the one running it. So I played Icarus, which is a game that you build a society that has the intention of falling. Uh aka Icarus and sure. it has a dread like component where you're stacking D sixes on top of each other in the game, and when the tower of D sixes fall, the society has fallen. And that was ran wow. by Victoria from the Broadswords, so that was amazing. I had the opportunity, the nay, the absolute pleasure to play um, Cold Steel Wardens again yep. with AP Klosky, who made it. And the best part is that uh, both Josh and Matt from Detentions and Dragons were there. And Josh, oh cool! If you have an opportunity to play an RPG game with him, it is utter insanity. Um, please do that. But yeah, playing that, it's, it's basically like street level Gotham, and it, it was a ton of fun. And I played Alternity with Rich Baker, his spacefaring game, and that went really, really well. Um, That was a lot of fun. I liked the dice system because you're kind of, you basically, you have a D20 and then the more proficient you are, the more you're adding other dice to. So like D20 and D4, D20 and D6. Um, So yeah, those are the three I played. Yeah, If you want to get out there and play some space stuff, definitely check out Alternity. Aha, I had three. Question number eight. What classic Christmas song would you like to see made into a D&D adventure or encounter? I'm
2: sure it probably already is, but Frosty the Snowman, hands down. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like that's gotta be that's gotta be the one that turns into an adventure module. <laughs> Has to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like think of think of how many people grasp onto like playing a Warforge, like we talked about recently, uh a totally brought to life <laughs> snowman. That sounds amazing. Yeah. And you can't go everywhere in the world, can you? For me, the 12 days of Christmas would make a fantastic encounter. By anybody who's watched The Office, you know that most of those those days are birds, and they're terrifying, and it'd be really easy to just make them into encounters that your players have to fight. Totally. Done. Dance
1: of the Sugar Plum Fairy. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Is that an encounter or an entire campaign? No, it has to be an encounter. Like someone either like a villain you stumble into or some weird NPC in a town, I think would definitely be the easiest way to do, both, do either of those. Boom. Question number nine. How would you introduce a Christmas-like holiday into your homebrew world? So
2: one, I have to do a better job of incorporating months and seasons into d Because <laughs> <laughs> I just always default to like yeah. whatever season I'm currently in. Um so I think that would be it. Like I would, I would love to do it in like a winter season. And like, I mean, the next couple of questions we'll ask will be exactly about this, but it would have to be them going into a specific region of the world that celebrates something like Christmas and have it be in like whatever town they're in having some of the elements of Christmas. Like if they have statues in that city or if they have decorations on their houses, or if they have like, you know, like, classic things like we have treats that are, it would just be incorporating some of those that the players probably don't know about because they're not from that land. Them asking questions about it and having NPCs give the answers for why those things are there would be the way that I would incorporate it. I think for me, I would, I would focus on, okay, let's make this
0: a, a holiday that maybe a certain race uh, or people group decides to celebrate. And so I thought about it and I decided, Halflings fits really well into a Christmas-like holiday. Mm -hmm. Uh, I came up with the name of Winter's Respite, and I think it would just... Maybe it came out of the fact that, especially if halflings in your world are very... They're all into agriculture and growing and farming. Maybe winter is kind of a difficult time for them, and maybe this holiday came out of a necessity of getting through the difficulty of winter. And so you'd get together, you'd uh, share food, you'd get together with family and friends around a fire and tell stories and exchange gifts to be a little break in the difficulty of the cold winter.
1: Okay, I had literally no answer for this question until I came up with an answer that I hope feels as amazing as I think it is. Um, I would have it be an event for the local thieves guild <laughs> where rather than stealing anything, they're literally being Santa like wow. and the whole thing is not getting caught, not getting known. Oh, sure. And then that's cool. Basically, there's a prestige behind it of what you can place. Like you, you think about that, those weird high school things where they're like, yeah, we put the teacher's car inside of his office and he did it. No, I'm just like, no, everyone. First off, everyone knew. You can't disassemble and reassemble a car without getting found out. But something along those lines is that there's a prestige behind who you gave it to and what you were able to basically Mm -hmm. sneak in without Mm -hmm. getting caught. Mm -hmm. I love the idea that they use it as an excuse. Like, yeah, well, we steal
2: for 12 months of the year, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. let's put this really big carriage in a tiny house
1: (laughs) without them knowing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That sounds amazing. (laughs) Awesome. So question 10. What would the Father Christmas figure of your world be like?
2: Yeah, so the Father Christmas figure in the world that I currently am running games in would be, and I said Frosty the Snowman earlier because it would be a snowman. Oh, that's that fantastic! Is, that is the uh, Father Christmas figure of uh, of of Ostera, and so I was thinking, like, kind of introducing this would be like people build snowmans out snowmen or women or whatever outside of their house. And, uh, at the end of that season, like you have to like, keep this snowman up and you have to like, give it food, whatever it's food would be. If it's just piles of snow or whatever it might be. I haven't children thought of frosty. too much. Yeah. Children of frosty. Right. <laughs> uh, but it would be one of those things where like they keep the snowman up, they build it, they have competitions with it throughout their entire town. And whoever has a snowman outside of their house, this snow person comes and leaves presents outside underneath that snow person that they wake up that morning and get their gifts outside. I'm just now so. picturing like a whole bunch of children, like
0: 50 snowmen, make 50 snowmen yeah, in right, forever. Right, right. <laughs> the more snowmen we make, the
2: more presents we get.
0: Uh, going along with the halfling holiday, I uh, thought it would really fit if it was a halfling, either goddess or saint, uh, maybe a female figure clad in dark green and white with a pinewood staff really sends that, like, Christmassy message. Uh, I, I imagine maybe, like, the scent of pinewood would be smelled in the home that she enters in, and so, like, you know, the parents are, like, putting out uh, pine needles, uh, marking, like, a trail throughout the house as she comes in to uh, leave the presents, uh, and maybe they also parents also like will go out and leave footprints in the snow to be like, oh, look, she she came through the door. like uh, and of course, as halflings, like halflings don't lock their doors, so right? she can just come in and leave presents as as she would uh, for the whole entire family.
1: It's awesome,. Uh- Mine's very simple. I would just make them exactly like Merlin from The Sword and the Stone, the animated movie. <laughs> sure. And then they would just leave. They would go on vacation. That, that I mean, that's one of the favorite scenes when he comes back and he's in like the board shorts and everything like that. Um, <laughs> so they, they would just travel the world and do whatever they wanted. I, I just love that idea. And then Christmas and winter would just follow them wherever they go. They just, they, now that just makes them sound terrible and frustrating. <laughs> Why did you come here? Why is it snowing at this beach? I hate you. <laughs> okay. Question 11. What would their sleigh be like?
2: So this snow uh, generosity god in this world uh, would have a sleigh made out of snow, obviously, but would be pulled by mammoths because I think that would just be so stinking cool to have that a sleigh be pulled by mammoths. <laughs> That's so
0: fantastic. <laughs> For my halfling uh, goddess or saint, I was thinking like St. Bernard's with the classic like they have the keg around their neck, the leather like strap keg, uh, which of course has to be filled with some sort of like delicious, warm, hearty uh, liquor that uh, as she travels around to all the different halfling houses uh, throughout the night. Uh, she needs to warm up a little bit, so you know,
2: she'll have a little swig every now and then. Don't don't be the person at the end of the end of yeah. the goddesses part. Or <laughs> yeah. <end. laughs>
0: oh look at yeah, the pine needles are kind of just scattered everywhere and uh those footprints uh oh look, she, she gave us a is snow an, angel in the front, yeah, face yeah,
2: first. Is that an imprint of their body? <laughs>
1: Amazing. Uh so I guess I just have to steal Further from the sword and the stone. And I think he can transform Archimedes, his owl into like something writable. Right. So then just using that and you can tell of his coming because there's a giant owl that (laughs) then, of course, disappears into a smaller one. So, yeah, almost like like a like enhanced familiar kind of thing. That's cool. Okay, we're going to close it out with question number 12. What are you looking forward to the most in 2020? From the Block Party Podcast Network. So I think mine is
2: just being back. (laughs) I think that's that's what I'm most looking forward to this coming season is just getting back, getting involved, seeing what else is gonna happen out of that. That's what I'm excited for.
0: Yeah, I'll echo that. I'm super pumped to have Chris joining us again as a host. Um Really pumped to be able to record some episodes with him talking about Dungeons & Dragons, to be able to listen to some episodes that Neil and him record together on Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, Also, I'm excited because this will be the year that we'll release Tales of Atos, the podcast. I won't talk about that anymore, but keep your eyes open, keep your ears open. Uh, It's coming in 2020.
1: And I will echo, echo, and of (laughs) course it's having Chris back, and I think it's just... Having such a kindred spirit, and of course, it, it lightens the load in the best way possible. Of having uh, you back as a consistent host, um, it it's just great. The other thing would be um, putting gymnastics out on its own feed and seeing what in the world that's going to mean, and stretching my muscles even more with Celeste. So I'm terrified. Let's be honest. <laughs> and but I'm terrified and and excited to see what it can be now that it, I think. Mitch and I had a lot long discussions about it. It just cleans up the original feed. I think it. both of us feel that it's grown into something more than we, of course, I ever thought it would be. Totally. And yeah. I think it just makes the most sense to put it out on its own feed to see what it looks like out there. So definitely all of that. And hopefully getting another email from the PR company. Uh, <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, hey, listen, I need another email. <laughs>
2: Well, we really hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block. It's really good to be back, especially for the Christmas episode. And uh, so we would love to hear your thoughts on what you heard in this episode. If you have some really cool ideas that you would like to share, uh, please send them to thedungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. We would love to be able to read those and respond and just get some of your feedback and your ideas in our own brains for our own
1: games. Also, we'll take a moment of silence for iTunes. (laughs) And if you'd like to leave us an Apple podcast review, you can definitely head over to Apple podcast. This is just weird. I don't know how to say any of these words and leave us a five-star review, which we'll read on air. And of course, you can do that on any other podcast catcher of your choice.
0: If you like the show and would like to keep up to date on what's going on, you can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at
1: DMS block or you can like our Facebook page and follow us there. As always, the dungeon masters block is a proud member of the block party podcast network where you can check out other shows like geek wars. We're so bad at adventuring tales of autos and more. So that's it. Thanks for listening to the dungeon masters block, the
2: place where we focus on the dungeon master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters and lowering the ego of all of the people at the
1: table. Oh, ho, oh, holla at you later. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this is DM Neil. I hope you don't get trophy bass under the tree this year. Keep on dungeon mastering and
0: have a very, very merry Christmas.